0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I hope everyone had a happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you got into plenty of shenanigans that you kept off of the internet. I didn't do much this weekend. There was a block party by my house. There are two black-owned restaurants have opened across the street from each other and they had a block party. That was the only thing I did for Labor Day weekend. The rest of the weekend, I was actually working, but not on Monday. I did take Monday off to binge some TV shows, but we'll talk about that in a second. But these two Black owned restaurants, they're both owned by ex-New Yorkers. One of them, like I've known for like 15 years. I knew him back in Brooklyn. The other one, Um, His name is Red Williams. He's the star, if you do recall, of Don't Waste Your Pretty. The real cute light-skinned guy with the gray eyes. He's one of the investors in the restaurant over there. He's such a sweetheart. He's a really nice guy. And the chef there, I didn't get his name. I saw they sent out this plate of fried fish and it looked amazing. But I was still in like mingling mode. But I go back like two hours later and I was like, y'all got some fish? And they didn't have my fried fish. So the chef came out and he was like, I got you. So we had fried salmon, Brussels sprouts, and mashed potatoes. And it was perfectly seasoned. It was so, so good. And then one of the servers that works there, she's an avid listener. And she came by the table. She was so sweet. My living in L.A. is not very much like I have black friends, but I don't have most of the stuff we go to are not black experiences. So this was a very welcome black experience. I walked out my apartment and turned the corner and was like, oh, the blacks, they were out in abundance. It was very, very good to see them. L.A. blacks are are different than um, than East Coast or Southern blacks, which makes sense because, you know, they're on the other side of the country. They would have their own culture and own vibe. And it's not a bad vibe. It's just different than what I'm accustomed to. But I was very pleased with the DJ who was very, very good. When he was winding down, he played Jodeci. And I was like, oh, some things are just, you know, American black. Like you wind down the party with a Jodeci set. It made me feel like I was back home while I was in L.A. But it was a good event. Although I was like wondering how much longer they're going to last and not because anything bad at all popped off. We we live in a very white neighborhood. Like downtown LA is colorful, but it is predominantly white. And it is LA. I told y'all like nowhere else have I lived, like D C, Maryland, even overseas. LA is very racist and it's very blatant in a way that it's not even in um, the other places I just listed. So, like, when we were standing out there, like, I saw this white woman with her dog, and she was just like filming. Like, just standing there with her camera, just, like, filming. And I was like, I mean, is this National Geographic? Like, what exactly are you filming? Like, people weren't even really dancing like that where it's like, oh, let me break out my camera because this, you know, amazing display of artistry is happening before me. Like, you know, it was like, you know, a mild two-step. And it wasn't even a lot of people dancing. But I was like, oh, she's probably mad about the noise and the number of black people I live in a nearby building and alert went out to our whole building that, you know, there's going to be this block party and all are welcome to support these new restaurants that have just opened up in our in our area. And my building's not all black by any means. It's very colorful, uh, but predominantly white. And the only people at the block party were like black folks. And I was like, the white people could have came. I know y'all love hip hop and R&B. Like, what's the problem? It was like, like, I don't know, like 500 black people. Just hanging out outside. They shut down the street. And I was like, yeah, I don't know how long my neighbors are going to go for that. And not that I wanted to end. I'm just like, I know white folks how I know white folks. So I hope we get at least one or two more before the neighborhood tries to shut it down. Because somebody did call the fire marshal, too. And I was like, oh, was it the white woman who was filming with her dog? But the fire marshal came. He wasn't black, but he was of some color. You know, he took a walk around. He talked to the owners. You know, the guy who was putting it on, my friend, And he was like, yeah, like we have all our permits, like we have, everything is in order. So the fire marshal came, he took a stroll around, he looked like he was having a good time. There was one restaurant that was, you know, it was a little, it was a little packed. The doors were open. You know, he, he walked by and didn't even take a second look. So, you know, he was there and then he wasn't. You know, the music went off when it was supposed to go off. And that was that. And I was like, oh dear, I see where this is going. But it was a good time. I was happy to see the Blacks. So that was my Sunday, my Sunday afternoon. And then Monday, I had a ton of work to do, but I had worked all day Friday and all day Saturday and every day last week, like long days too. I was like, I'm I'm not working today. I'm like, it's Labor Day. I'm not working today. I just caught up on like a couple of shows that I had been wanting to binge. One of them being Clickbait. I think it's on Netflix. Remember Vinny Chase from Entourage, the main dude, real cutie. He's the husband and the wife is, Okay, remember from Get Out, the black woman in the bad wig? And she was like, no, 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 her. So they're a husband and wife team. It's a murder mystery. I've seen ads for it and had no interest in it whatsoever. But then my Facebook timeline, who consistently, they're like solid. When a whole bunch of them are talking about something, nine times out of ten, it's really good. But this show is kind of like... Okay, remember Mayor of Eastwood on HBO? It's kind of like that but set in Oakland with more melanated people. And I think with Mayor, and that was a really good show, but the ending, you were like, "Really? That's who did it?" You and you kind of saw that coming after a while. This one, episode 8 will blow your mind. Some ish I never thought. And I thought everybody did it. I was like, oh, he did it. Okay, no, she did it. Okay, no, he did it. I thought everybody was guilty. And I was like, maybe all of them got together and killed this man. Because part of me was like, he might deserve to die. It's a really good show. And I don't want to tell you anything more about it. Because I didn't know much about it. I went in blind. And I hate spoilers. But yeah, it's really good. And then I watched Not all of it. I watched a bunch of it. Succession, season two. It's one of the best shows on television. Like, I love that show. That family is so nuts. And then Kendall M.F. Roy. If you watch Succession, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you need to watch Succession so you know who Kendall M.F. Roy is. Succession is coming back in October. That's all HBO has given us. So I've been watching the first two seasons to prepare for the third season. I'll probably watch it, Whole, the whole thing one more time before it comes out in October because I just, it's it's an enjoyable show. Like, I know it's going to happen. I know the one liners. I know the crazy shit that's going to be said. It's so outrageous. And every time I watch it, I, I pick up on something different. It's a really, really, really good show. Queen Sugar actually comes back today. Felicia Pride, who wrote, um, we talked about her, uh, she wrote Really Love, the film on Netflix with um, Kofi is Bay and M.F. Michael Ealy, and the Blair Underwood, and Tristan Wilds. That's a lot of fine in one film. But she wrote that film, but she's also a writer on Queen Sugar. Our family, the Border loans, they really do feel like family to me. So I can't wait to see which shenanigans they're going to get up to. All I know is Nova going to piss me off, because Nova, that's what Nova does. That's what Nova does. Everybody else I can deal with. Nova, sis, I just don't understand the motivation Behind the choices. I don't understand. I guess that's what makes you good TV, sis. Because I just be befuddled. Befuddled by Nova. Anyways. In good black news, I was actually looking for news about something else. Kwame Kilpatrick, former mayor of Detroit, went to jail. Got out of jail recently. Said he wasn't going to do politics no more. He was going to be a minister. Him. I'd read that he was taking over... This historic church in Detroit. Remember he gave a a sermon maybe like a month ago. Did we talk about that? And I was like, oh, Detroit is seeming to be embracing him. I think we talked about his career trajectory and if if this pastor route was going to work for him, which I think yes. Black folks love an attractive black pastor and with the redemption story. Like, I hope he ain't playing with the word of God. I hope he's for real, for real about loving the Lord. But I'd read that he was taking over this church and it wasn't from a site that I was familiar with. So I was like, well, let me go find out what the Detroit News is talking about this. But when I was searching, I did find Kwame Kilpatrick had gotten married. Remember he had a fiance and they took those real pretty pictures, their engagement photos in a church. And it was like they were reading the Bible in the photos and she was dressed like, you know, super prairie Christian. And I was like, oh, they're really milking this for all it's worth. Okay, I love a good stage photo. I'm not mad at it. The pictures were beautiful. It was a good photographer. But he and that fiance, they said, I do last Saturday and it was an afternoon ceremony at Detroit's historic Little Rock Baptist Church, which is also where Kilpatrick had done his sermon. Her, her dress was very beautiful, very traditional. She had a long veil. I don't think it was a mermaid dress, but it was like, you know, kind of fitted and then floofy. And he looks, look, Kwame Kilpatrick may or may not be ain't shit. Time will determine if he's turned around. We'll see. I'm going to let it play out. I like to think that folks will not be so bold as to play with God's name, especially when God got you out of prison early. God has worked in your life in a way that you can tangibly see. So I would like to think that this man would not be playing with God. That said, he looked good as fuck. Kami Kilpatrick is fine, fine. Jesus. He looked good. Fresh shape up. Full beard. Nice suit. He looked great. He looked amazing. Look, and I just want to be clear. Like, you can be fine and not be shit. Every single person listening knows at least three people that fall into that category. Fine as shit. Ain't shit. It sometimes seems like the two go together. I'm not saying that applies to Kwame. I don't know this man. I met him once at the NAACP Awards in LA. He was very nice. He said he was tired. He was ready to go home. But his wife, not the new wife, the then wife, that wife, she wanted to stay and party. She liked to party. That's what he said. I said, okay. Go look up the pictures. Detroit News has the pictures. He looked good, good. If he wasn't so trifling, I post him his snack ministry. One of the reasons I don't post snacks, because somebody hit me up the other day and was like, girl, we hungry. Where's our snacks? And I was like, I feel you. I do. It gets so annoying when I post a snack because folks go to their page and they got to see like every woman they ever dated. Like is their girlfriend black or are they biracial or are they full black? Do they hang out with white people? Where did they go to school? Then somebody always knows them. I dated him. He was trash ma'am can you look at the nature in the background or just look at this man's penis and go on like just enjoy the image for what it is like oh it's always something on it and if people want to dm me all these stories i'm like leave me be i don't care i'm just here for the decor and the d-print I don't care about their backgrounds. I don't care if they date white chicks. I don't I don't care. As long as they don't openly bash black women, I don't give a shit. But, you know, I seem to be the minority on that. But, girl, could you imagine if I posted Kwame Kilpatrick at Snack Ministry? Oh, my page would explode. I'm good. But to answer the original question of what I was searching for, no. Kwame Kilpatrick is not taking over the church. And this is according to Deadline Detroit. I am familiar with that site. Reverend Jim Holly, he has been over... The historic Little Rock Baptist Church. Is historic part of the church's title? Because every time I see it listed, it's never like Little Rock Baptist Church. It's always Historic Little Rock Baptist Church. But Reverend Jim Holly, he has been the minister for 50 years. But while confirming his retirement, according to Deadline Detroit, Reverend Holly put to rest rumors that he will be replaced. Oh dear, Deadline Detroit is shady. That he will be replaced. By disgraced former mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick, who was released from prison in January and has yet to apologize to the people of Detroit for stealing from them, much less confess his guilt at all. All of that was a quote, by the way. That's not me editorializing. That's all written in the Deadline Detroit article. You don't have to describe that man that way. But I can't argue about the accuracy Journalists are so shady like we could we determine how what you think about things by the details we choose to include or exclude this this journalist while honest while factual very clearly does not like former mayor Kwame Kilpatrick because they really could have just wrote former mayor disgraced former mayor who was released from prison and has yet to apologize of Kilpatrick Holly said quote I counseled him when he got out of prison. But there was never, ever a thought that he would follow me. Holly might be shady, too. Shit. No, that wasn't something we considered. He could have left it there. There was never, ever a thought. Oh, dear. Holly said a national search for his successor has been whittled down to two finalists. A pastor from Mississippi. Who is writing Deadline Detroit? And a guy from New Jersey. (laughs) Oh, deadline, Detroit. Oh, deadline. Thank you for the quote. I do appreciate the accuracy.
1: (sighs) Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. (laughs) I have fully or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's angi.com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you can find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit
0: Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Speaking of shenanigans, Kanye and Drake both released albums. I think they were out last time we spoke and I was like, I haven't had a chance to listen, listen to them. So I wasn't going to review either one of them. I've had a chance to listen, listen to them. So Kanye has 27 songs on his album and Drake has 21 songs. For each of them, about half of the songs on the album are actually good or great songs. They do have some really good songs on the album, but there's so much filler that they're annoying to listen to straight through. So I had to go through and make a playlist. I posted it on uh, my Instagram page. I posted it on stories so you could like get the link. But I had to go through and cut both of those albums in half. I think I got like 12 songs off of Kanye and maybe 11 off Drake. And when I listened to my playlist version, I actually am like, oh, this is amazing music. This is great. But the actual albums they put out, I was like, "What? what some of this like... Drake and that whole like girls love girls, like, sir, you sound like a horny teenager. You're a grown ass man. Like, this is your output? Kanye. There's so much with Kanye. Look, I'm glad he found Jesus. I really am. And and most of this music would qualify in some fashion as gospel. Is it's very much of it is openly praising the Lord or people confessing, testifying or airing grievances in the case of uh, Larry Hoover Jr. Larry Hoover Jr. is on this one track, and he's talking about how his father, who is the founder of the Gangster Disciples, a very notorious gang in Chicago. Larry Hoover said, like, well... He said, My whole life, I've been waiting for my father to get out of jail. And he's like, They told me when I graduated from eighth grade or when I graduated from high school or when I graduated from college, like my father would be home. And he was like, Now I have children of my own. Like my daughter, she's graduated and like my father's still not home. And my son, you know, he's graduating from eighth grade and my father's still not home. And he was like, When are they going to free my father? And I totally get where he's coming from. If my father was incarcerated, I totally would want my father free and I wouldn't understand like he's been in jail forever. Like he's an old man now. Release my father. He's no longer a threat. I totally and completely get where Larry Hoover Jr. is coming from. I also need somebody to level with Larry Hoover Jr. Your father is not getting out of jail. And I know that's a really hard thing to hear and accept. I appreciate that he is actively trying to get his father out because I think that that's what his son should do. Kanye has somehow jumped into this Larry Hoover fight. He implied that he was wearing this MAGA hat in a way to appeal to Trump as a strategy to get Larry Hoover out of jail, which I was like, you couldn't come up with no better strategy than that? And it didn't work. Okay, Larry Hoover, again is the founder of a notorious gang in Chicago. He is sentenced to, what, five or six consecutive life sentences that total up to something like 150 to 200 years in jail. And I think that's just state charges because he also has federal charges because when he got locked up, he allegedly, which he denies, but he allegedly continued to run A criminal mastermind from inside the prison. That's how he got his fed charges. I'm like, sir, your father's not getting out, babe. He's not. And there's a debate because I talked about it on my Facebook page. And I was like, yo, like the leader of a gang is not getting out of prison. And the idea of him not getting out, because I had to go look this stuff up. Because all I know is Big Meech, Larry Hoover. I know Larry Hoover's name from a hook on a Rick Ross album. I had to go look up this case. He's been up for parole a couple of times. There was some question of the possibility of him getting out. And a judge was like, no, like he still has sway and influence in the community. No, he can't come out. I ended up talking about Larry Hoover Sr. on my Facebook page. And I was like, somebody got to tell the son, like, just you got to reason with him because what he's doing, like, I totally get it. But like, it's it's not going to happen, babe. People on my page especially the Chicago folks because I was like learn me something if I don't know and the Chicago folks were like yeah no he actually does need to get out of jail and they were trying to explain to me about all the gang leaders in Chicago got locked up the projects got destroyed and then you push all of these people who have beefs into the same area and that's why all this crime is happening in Chicago. Cause all these people who formerly had beef were in different neighborhoods. Now they're all in one neighborhood and there is no leadership over the gangs. So there's no code. So like my girl was telling me the other day, she's like, I just got this new job and I have to take the subway to work. And I'm actually really scared because like, excuse my language, but these niggas in Chicago are shooting up the subway. She was like, this would never happen if there was proper gang leadership. Another friend, this was totally unrelated to this, but it's a gang shooting. She was posting earlier today about a four-year-old who she knew. She was like, when I took my daughter to Chicago over the summer, maybe like two months ago, she was like, my daughter was playing with this kid. It's like a family kid. But he was playing outside. Fight broke out. Niggas started shooting. And two of those bullets hit a four-year-old in the head. Killed him. Just posting about that this morning. Like, gangs in Chicago, the violence in Chicago is out of control. Like, even when I went to Chicago, like, I, you know, I said, I was like, oh, I'm staying, like, downtown. I was staying, like, in the Gold Coast. Like, I'm around the corner from, like, Maple and Ash. I'm, like, walking distance to Miracle Mile. So I was like, this is a good area. And they were like, ain't no such thing. Like, Chicago is just wild. All of Chicago. But they were like, be safe, sis. I told folks I took the subway and they were like, you've lost your goddamn mind. And I was like, it was fine. It was like two o'clock on a Sunday. And they were like, it's Chicago. I was like, really? Is that bad? Yes. I was like, oh dear. But yeah, but they were like, yo, they need to let like the gang leaders out. And I was like, are we, are we operating in the same America? Like that's never going to happen. I feel you. I get the logic, like let the gang leaders out, like let them restore order. And you know, I don't know, honor among thieves or, or something like that. But Y'all know that's not going to happen, right? I'm just saying. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. I'm not saying it's not logical. I'm not saying that, like, it wouldn't make sense. I'm just saying. Y'all know that's not going to happen, right? Anyway, I also didn't put that song in my playlist. Like, it was, like, 11 minutes long. Like, Larry Hoover, you know, he, he got a mic, and so he spoke. And I'm not mad at it, but I was like, I can't listen to this over and over and over on my playlist. Like, I appreciate what you're doing for your dad. You're a good son. You're a great son. But somebody who really loves him needs to level with him. What else? There was something else I wanted to say about the Kanye album. Okay. Nothing comes to mind. Never mind. Um, the Drake album, same thing. Had to cut it down. Also listening to Drake's album, <laughs> there's this old Robin Harris joke about who called the piccolo player a motherfucker. And the punchline is, but I want to know who called this motherfucker a piccolo player. So I'm listening to this Drake album and I was like, is he a rapper or a singer? Cause there's very little rap on this album. The man is singing Most of the album. And I was like, you are whatever the dream is. Is that hip-hop? It could be. I'm not saying he's not a rapper. I'm just saying, like, he's more like a singer. Because I was like, you're giving me Portishead vibes. Like, you're just, you're singing. You're almost key sweating some of this. It was all right. Again, once I cut it down, it was fine. Like, I enjoyed the album. It was was a good listen. But I was like, all this filler. So y'all get streams? Oh, that's what I was going to say about the Kanye album. So... We talked previously on two different episodes about all of the beef and fallout from this Kanye album. From the mini delays to Universal allegedly leaking it, to leaving Chris Brown off of it. I read Chris Brown leaked his song, I still haven't heard it. I'm good. Soldier Boy had an issue. There was an issue with the baby or the baby's manager. They uploaded songs after the album had been released. There was the Brie Babineau situation about her not being credited, like so much shit. So over the weekend, because Drake and Kanye are lacked in this like battle for supremacy for like who has the hottest album of the summer. And I was like, neither of y'all. Nas has the hottest album of the summer. Some other people were like, no, you got to look at um, Tyler, the creator, Tyler, the creator put out a really hot album. And I was like, you know what? I'll listen. I'll give it a listen. I don't think Tyler the Creator is really my vibe. But I was like, I'll give it a try. I listened and was like, no. I respect the artistry. I'm not the demo for Tyler the Creator. There were two songs where, like, the production was crazy. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like, this is the Tyler the Creator appeal. Like, I get it. But otherwise, I was like, how dare y'all mention Tyler the Creator in the same sentence as Nas. Anyway, Drake and Kanye are beefing. For which I can barely remember. It has something to do with Pusha T. I guess Kanye told Pusha T Drake's business. Pusha put it in a song. And I remember Pusha and Drake had that back and forth. And the only thing I remember is you are hiding a child. Which was so wrong. Like you really shouldn't have put that man's business out there like that. Men beefing. You know they get emotional. They talk about women. They get emotional and start saying reckless shit. Drake, Kanye, and Pusha T are still involved in this, like, apparently never-ending beef. Over the weekend, Drake puts out a song, Life of the Party, that was left off of the Kanye album, where Kanye talks about Drake. And what he said, I didn't think was really that greasy. Maybe there's levels of it that I don't understand. Kanye says something about on GD which is on Gangsta Disciples, and Drake is upset about that, which I was, I guess, Kanye invoking gang shit to talk to Drake. But I was also like, Kanye, like Pink Polo's Kanye is like Gangsta Disciple? He's in a gang now? Did you wait till you were 40-something to join a gang? Or have you been a gang member since your Pink Polo days? I'm so confused. But that was the least important thing about this song. The most important thing about it was an Andre 3000 verse. We ain't heard from Andre 3000 in a month of Sundays. He only really graces us with a verse maybe once every couple years. Like we are starved for Andre 3000 and Outkast in general. But he releases this verse. It gutted me. Kanye's album, Donda, is supposed to be about his deceased mother, which, you know, literally the first song on the album is somebody like chanting Donda's name for like two minutes, which obviously didn't make my playlist. But Andre does this verse asking Miss Donda, so Kanye's mother, and addressing her with respect with the miss. She's in heaven, and he says, if you've seen my mama, Andre's mom passed in 2013. He says, if you've seen my mama, could you tell her to send word to me? Because I ain't heard from her, and I'm not sure heaven exists anymore. Because if there was one, wouldn't they let a mother speak to her son? That hit me in the heart, and my mom is still alive. I think as a a child wanting to hear from your creator, missing your mother, like Jesus. There's another part on the song where he just flatly says he's like I'm lost. The beauty in his vulnerability. This woman on my Facebook page or whatever was like he's self actualized. We we ain't used to seeing that in black men, and I was like, well, that's that's a word, okay. They don't hit it until much later in life. Andre's, what, mid-40s? According to Jay-Z, 444, he's right on time. And I was like, guys, y'all can't keep waiting until 44 to, like, get your lives, your inner lives together. Because, you know, your money, your cars, your whatever, blah, blah, blah. You you can actually have all that and your inner life can be trash. But you can't wait till your mid-40s to start working on yourself. I'll give you coasting through 20s. Kind of. I'll give you to 27. But you got to start doing some work earlier. Like you're living half your life, more than half your life. Because we'll talk about how as of late, it seems a lot of black men, public black men, aren't living very long. I'm trying to avoid talking about Michael K. Williams. I'm putting it at the end of the podcast because it's sad. I didn't want that to weigh over our other conversations. I'm addressing it. But Andre, he's just like, he just lays himself so beautifully bare here. His verses is so... Thoughtful and and vulnerable and and self reflective. It's it's a beautiful piece of art. And quite frankly, that verse is is better than all forty eight songs on Kanye and Drake's albums combined. That one verse that got left off the album, which I was like, who in their right mind cuts Andre three thousand? You get a three k verse, you play it. Andre addressed the issue in an open letter. Kanye decided he wanted to do a clean album. And there wasn't a way to do this song clean. So he thought it was best to cut it, which Andre was fine with. But this album gets leaked by Drake, no less. So Kanye has a mole in his camp somewhere that's feeding information to Drake. I would wonder what else Drake knows. Also, Drake leaks this song, which I think he thought people were going to be like, Oh, Kanye said like crazy shit about you. And that's what the beef is about. And people are going to feel sorry for Drake or understand why Drake takes the shots that he took. Nobody really cared. Kanye has another three or four minutes where he's rhyming like old Kanye, like the Kanye that we all fell in love with at one point. He's saying crazy shit like on GD, so like a gang affiliation, and then also like, let me go get my red hat. So referring to his MAGA hat, people are barely even talking about that. In fact, everyone stopped talking about Drake and Kanye in order to talk about Andre 3000. So when this Andre track leaks, Andre releases a statement and he's like, hey, Kanye asked me to make a song and it was supposed to be about our mothers. And he sent me the track with a verse and he was like, there was no, no diss. He was like, I don't like being a part of this beef between like two rappers that I admire. He just wants some grown man shit. And I was thinking that's such a violation to go get Andre 3000 and ask him to record a verse about the death of his mother. And then use that verse, although Kanye didn't put it out. But then to use that verse as a diss track to somebody. The man's talking about his dead mom. You heard that and decided to be like, huh, this will be a good verse to be on my diss track. Really? He didn't put it out. Drake leaked it. I write about this on my Instagram page. And my girl, Jordan, she was on a podcast with me when I was in Atlanta. Jordan was like, I don't even want to listen to it. And I was like, you don't want to listen to a 3K verse? How could you say such a thing? She was like, no. She was like, Andre made this song. They told him it wasn't going to come out. And then Drake leaks it. You leaked a song with a man talking about his deceased mother. And you did so to land some sort of blow against Kanye. The man is talking about his dead mom. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Using it as a diss track. Or then weaponizing it once you get your hands on the diss track. And I was like, well, when you put it like that, I think I streamed that song. Like I left it on repeat for like two hours on Saturday when I was working. Like I found a site that had it and I just like let it play like on a loop. Like sometimes I would stop and just cut Kanye's verse and then go back to Andre's. I could probably recite most of his verse at this point. So maybe I ain't shit for listening to it. But I was like, yo, Jordan had a really good point. And I was like, yeah, that is really trifling. Drake could have just released the Kanye verse. He could have done that. He chose to release the whole song, including Andre's verse. She was like, just imagine, like, Andre creates the verse. Kanye says he's not going to put it on the album. Okay. I shared this piece of myself that was very, very vulnerable, but, like, nobody's going to hear it. And so, like, all right, I move on. And then all of a sudden, like, the whole world is talking about, like, the death of your mother. She was like, that, that, that could be triggering. Jordan's mother passed away. 2018, I believe that wound is fresh, like it happened yesterday. It's your mom. When she put it like that, I was like, "Oh yeah, maybe I'm trifling for participating in this." Um, my bad. Although I'm still going to listen to it, but still, I, I feel slightly bad about it. But it's a beautiful piece of art, and I hope Andre knows like how much we like love him and appreciate him. And I was watching some interview. I think Charlemagne posted it where Andre was talking about like why he doesn't do music anymore and he was like you know part of the thing with hip-hop is the first word is hip like you got to be cool you got to be in the know he was like i don't want to be like some aging boxer out here embarrassing myself trying to use language that i don't use trying to stay cool or relevant and i was like andre 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 i was like do you have imposter syndrome you could talk about whatever you want half of king's disease which clearly i'm obsessed with Half of that album is talking about being a grown ass man. Like there's literally a whole song about how he's grown and he can send young boys to the store. He talks about failed love, trying to love, liking to be alone. The best part of the night is when you hit me to say you got home safe. The other half of it is talking about Nas and cryptocurrency. You could talk about whatever you're into, Andre. You want to talk about going out on the street and playing your flute because that's one of the things he does. You want to talk about the encounters you have with people while you were playing your flute on the street? We'll listen to that. We'll listen to you play the flute, Andre. Whatever you want to talk about, we're here. Your audience from OutKast grew up with you. Like, we're still listening. We got old, too. We're not still talking about the same ish. I mean, some of us are. Those of us who grew are talking about different things than we were talking about at 20-something. We have different interests, as we should. You grew, too. I'm sure, Some of the things you're interested in, your audience is also interested in. I tell people all the time, like, I'm not the best podcaster. I'm not the best writer. I'm not the deepest thinker. But I do happen to cater to an audience, a wide audience, that is severely overlooked. I don't try to dumb down my opinions or thoughts or content to appeal to 20 something year olds. I'm not trying to be young, but I am like alive. I am still into TV and music and film and culture and travel and books and so many other things. And there's very few spaces that are speaking to women my age, but like we exist. And we got decent money now. We have a little disposable income. The wider culture appeals to like 20 somethings. And I was like, they're broke. I'm just saying, like, Andre, there is a space for you, boo. I was about to say something real inappropriate and very sexual. I'm gonna move along now because I'm trying to stay on topic. There's a void. That's part of the reason like everyone's talking about like this Nas album is so great or Lauren Hill's verse on the Nas album is so great. It's not because there aren't great young rappers. Most of them just aren't talking about anything that appeals to people in their 40s. We don't relate. I just said this with Tyler, the creator, but I want more music that appeals to me. And Andre, you do that, babe. We want you. We want to hear from you. Somebody send Andre this message. Somebody sent Andre my number. Shit. (laughs) If only. You know what? Let me move along. Let me move along before I start talking reckless. It's too early in the day. It's 1107. No liquor in my system. I don't drink before noon unless it's vacation. Anyway, next topic. Our friend Paul Pierce, I didn't know who Paul Pierce was. I don't watch sports like that. I don't watch ESPN like that. Paul Pierce used to be a host on ESPN. I only learned of Paul Pierce when he got fired. Paul Pierce, before he was at ESPN, he used to play with the Celtics. And Sports Illustrated caught up with him because he's about to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Paul Pierce used to be on this ESPN show. What's the name of the show? I think it was The Jump. Paul Pierce got let go after he got on Instagram and was posting videos of himself having a good time. What did he do? Let me see if I can get these details right. Paul Pierce is a grown ass man. Paul Pierce is also a wild boy. Okay, so I'm reading from the Bleacher Report now. This is how they described the video. I never saw it. I just heard about it. This is what Bleacher Report said. Quote, Pierce went live on Instagram on Friday night in a room full of dancers, strippers, while smoking, drinking, and apparently playing poker with his friends, all while clearly ignoring basic COVID-19 safety protocols. It was a string of videos that made waves on social media. He was fired from ESPN shortly after. Now, ESPN is part of the Disney family. So I guess the strippers and the drinking... And the car, playing, I'm sure there was some shit talking. I'm sure there was. And I know there was because when Paul Pierce did this interview with Sports Illustrated and they asked him about that video and getting let go from ESPN, this is what Pierce had to say. He said, come on, I didn't do anything illegal. These motherfuckers (laughs) in the Hall of Fame, some did cocaine, fucking battery what the fuck did I do I was just having a good time all the people coming after me half you motherfuckers do the same shit you're just hiding it and you all are married while you're doing it I'm divorced I'm retired I'm having fun alright Paul Pierce seems to have not given a fuck then because after he was fired he tweeted at ESPN he did tag them I don't need you I made more money with this crypto in the past month than I did with y'all in a year. Truth shall set you free. So no fucks then and no fucks now. Congratulations to Paul Pierce on being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Next topic. I love black people. Black people are out of their minds. Last but not least, I've had two major passings in, in the celebrity world. One of them is Greg Leakes from Real Housewives of Atlanta. He was married to Nene Leakes. Both of them became household names because of the show. I didn't really watch Real Housewives after like the first couple seasons. I don't in general watch reality TV, but I don't live under a rock. I've covered pop culture for a living in some form or fashion for what, like 20 years now? It was impossible not to know who Nene and Greg were and to keep up with the overarching view of their storylines. But he passed away from cancer last week. I knew he had cancer before and I knew that he beat it. And I know with cancer, like, you know, you can, you know, it can go and it can come back, but I thought he was fine. And then I saw this video circulating where Nene was at She'd opened a club, Lenithia Lounge, and she was on the microphone and she was asking the customers to pray for her and her son because her husband was transitioning. To which my first thought was like, ma'am, leave that place. Go home and be with your husband or the hospital, wherever. And then I was like, you know what? She probably spends all day by his side. And if you've ever just sat in the hospital worried about somebody, it's hard. It's very hard. Like you need to go out. You need to you need to go be around people. You need to live. You know, I prayed. I prayed for her. Cause anyone who's um watched a relative battle cancer, my grandmother died from cancer. And just watching someone suffer before they go, you know, first and foremost, their suffering is, you know, paramount. But it's really hard on the caretakers as well so i was like look if she need to be at the club because she needs something to do or she just need to be out the house or out the hospital god bless her that's just one of those situations where wherever you're doing you just say god bless um and i hope that you know you're okay as you can be in those circumstances there's no real such thing as being okay but i felt so bad for her and all by all accounts he was a good guy peter Thomas, who was on the show with him, gave him a really good tri- tribute, and he said that he flew back to Atlanta to pay his respects to Greg before he passed. And I'll say that's a testament of, um, of their friendship and of the type of person that Greg was, because you wouldn't fly to say goodbye if the person wasn't shit. And also, people will say, like, there used to be a time where people, you know, would not speak ill of the dead, or at least give it a week. But if you trash, people will absolutely say you're trash when you pass, like the day of. Like you you heard the announcement, people will post the announcement and be like, he was trash and this is what he did and this is what he didn't do. So when you are someone who you passed away and you were spoken of very highly, you might actually been a good person. So my condolences to the Leaks family and friends like that was just very, very sad. He wasn't old either. He was like in his 60s, which is, you know, more than 50s. But still, I, I want folks to like get old, you know, like 85, 90 old. This dying while you can still like prance around and such. Like you got prancing years left. He should at least had like, you know, a good 15 to 20 more summers. I feel so bad. And then Michael K. Williams. Oma, If you watch The Wire or Chalky White. If you watch Boardwalk Empire or Montrose. All HBO shows. HBO loved him. But Montrose, if you watched um, Lovecraft Country. Or the, the, the daddy with the terrible fucking advice. And when they see us. That was Ava's film about the the Central Park Five or the exonerated five. But the daddy who gave terrible advice was like, just tell them what they want to hear. Daddy? What? But like everyone I knew, like knew him, like up and down my timeline, like my friend friends are all sharing like personal stories for like literally like the last 30 years. One of my friends is a dancer. She used to do videos and tours. And she was like, yeah, that's when I met him. And then other people, you know, met him on set. Some people acted with him. Some people were directors on his projects. Some people were just friends. One of my friends, Jordanne again, she's one of those people that has like a very Forrest Gump life. She's just at the right time, at the right place for like so much stuff. She was like, yeah, I was in South Africa after her mother passed away. She was in South Africa. She wasn't doing so good. And her friend had invited her out. She shared the story on Instagram, which is why I feel comfortable sharing it. She ran into him in South Africa and she was like, he spoke life into me. Like he could see that I was in a bad place. And she was like, I met him and we had this great conversation. And he was like, yo, why don't you just roll with us? Like, you know, the rest of the trip while we're here. And she was like, what? And she was like, but I did. And she was like, and it was amazing. And I was like, wow. Like that's a, I cried when I read that just because I know her and I met her around that time and she wasn't in a good place at all. Like, as you can imagine. But yeah, so many stories about him. And like yesterday, my Instagram timeline, like, you know, people hit me up and then my Instagram timeline was full of uh, memorials, essentially, to him. But they're all personal stories of people who met him. I used to see him sometimes just like walking around Brooklyn. The cast of The Wire, the whole cast, like a lot of them lived in New York. And they were just like, just just be walking around like. I mean I know they're like regular people you know their occupation just happens to be actor they used to just like walk around like no security like they weren't on like a hit television show which I guess The Wire never was like a hit it wasn't it wasn't ever widely viewed critically acclaimed but yeah but they used to just walk around like normal and I'd be like yo you were on The Wire hello We used to see him out and about, like he was friends of friends, but like never met him, never introduced to him, don't know him whatsoever. But the stories that my friends have of him are just beautiful. He's a beautiful human being. And I'll also say this, and it's just an observation that I made. His passing from what I read in the New York Post, which is the, the publication that broke the story about his death, they noted that it was from an overdose. I thought it very significant that in all of the tributes that I saw to him, and well over a hundred, everyone focused on how he lived as opposed to how he died. I, I thought that really said something about his character, who he was as a person. Got the sense that folks knew he had his demons. And some folks did say, they were like, you know, he'd been very open about like his battle with drugs. So like, you know, it wasn't like a secret, but they loved him. Um, and I, I'm going to guess that's probably why he was able to show so much love to my dear friend when she wasn't in her good place. Cause people had done that for him. He paid it forward. <sighs> I saw his I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw I saw a picture of him. I follow Essence. And I saw a picture of him and I was like, oh, he must be in a new film. I clicked to read and then you know it said he died. And I was like, What dead? Like I had to start the article all over again. And I was like, wait, what? Um, but when I read that he died of like an overdose, I just thought like, what pain, what pain he must have been in heroin. That's that's a dull all your senses drug. Cocaine's an upper it heightens feeling. I actually get why people use coke. But I was like, I was like heroin in 2021. Bruh, you weren't in a good place. And I just feel so bad for him that someone who was bringing so much, so much talent, one, but also so much joy to his friends and family to audiences that he was struggling with these demons and who knows what they were. That's not for me to speculate. This beloved, beloved, beloved person has so much pain that it needs to be numbed. And this talented, talented man who people would look at from the outside in and think like you have friends, you have fame, you have riches, like you must be good. And he wasn't. People always say, check on your strong friends, Check on your life of the party friends. Make sure they're good. Check on everybody. I think last episode I talked about how like everybody has like PTSD, whether we know it or not. Between COVID and the way our our way of living has just been rearranged, the mass death, George Floyd, all these videos of of watching people massacred, lynched, some might say. All of that takes a huge, huge toll In, in addition to the process of just living. Because living, just just going through life with all its ups and downs can be its own ordeal. And you just never really know what people are going through. Rest in peace, Greg Leakes and to Michael K. Williams. That's the podcast for this week, y'all. We'll talk again on Friday.
1: Okay. Bye.